Lilas, where we talk about all things sourdough. And also all things. I'm Rachel. And I'm Claire. And we're the Sour Sisters. Sisters. We're doing this as something fun for us and hopefully to bring joy to other people. Our opinions are most definitely our own. Let's get started. Welcome to episode one, Origin Story. This is our first episode, obviously. So this all started because Rachel here is very good at baking and decided to start sourdough. Tell us more. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't say I'm very good at baking. I just do bake because I get bored. Uh, But I kind of ran out of things via the quarantine to bake that was normal. Uh, And everyone and their grandma was making sourdough starter so and grandpa yeah 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 any any uh grands all working (laughs) on it uh and it seemed easy you just mix together like flour and water and then let bacteria grow that seemed pretty straightforward (laughs) so I decided to try it out (laughs) to be honest actually why I started was because I read an NPR article about how often it fails and I just mostly wanted to see if it failed because somebody was doing a study where you just described why it failed, like what it smelled like and stuff like that. And it seemed disgusting. So I just wanted... that's not, so, that's so I didn't want to make it sound like it was easy to do. Like, I mean, I know that it can be a pain and it depends on your water and flour and all that. That's amazing. You just wanted to like see if it would fail and then like figure out what it would smell like. I love that. Yeah, I can't really do like real chemistry at my house without getting arrested. So baking <laughs> is a good substitute. <laughs> And, like, hopefully you won't get arrested for that. We'll see. This bread is too delicious. <laughs> I mean, if anyone were to get arrested for this, it would be me because I'm just consistently giving CPR to my poor sourdough. <laughs> yeah, fair. We should talk about how you're uh, actually a healthcare professional. <laughs> <laughs> That's. I didn't want to um, label myself as a healthcare professional because I don't want people coming to this podcast for some sort of, like, real CPR advice, considering I'm talking about sourdough um but it is true i'll give some like some tips on the side claire was very supportive about getting the sourdough started and i thought that you were just being nice but then you actually wanted some of it so but i mean tell us how like because i wasn't really i was just cheerleading from afar because quarantine so like how many days did it take you and what did you need to get started i think it it took six days but for my readings it depends on how warm it is so um, it can take up to, I guess, two or three weeks to actually get going. Um, but you basically just, every day, you get rid of half of it and then add more flour, more water, let it hang out. And then it starts to, like, smell weird and, like, get bubbly. Yeah, it, it smells like something's fermenting. Uh, and that's how you know it's working. And you see bubbles and then you, like, stir it and it, like, gets smaller because you release the bubbles out and stuff. So it's fun if you like gross stuff because it's kind of interesting to like check on it. Like I would just go check on it and open it up and be like, oh, it smells weird. And like there's new bubbles. I mean, this is checking all the boxes for fun for me. Edible. It's kind of alive and gross and weird, but also educational. So like, can you eat sea monkeys? Because I feel like maybe that falls under the same, like checks all the same boxes. So does that mean that I should get a sea monkey? Well, it's kind of alive and... It grows and it's, I guess, educational if you care about like yeah. tiny shrimp. <laughs> totally. Biologist over here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just didn't seem like there was 
anything bad about starting a sourdough, especially when no, you have a nice. friend who does it for you. We'll talk about this more later, but it's really hard to discard. No, it felt wrong to be like, especially we're in a flour shortage, to just yeah. be like, you need one cup of flour twice a day, and I'm going to throw half of that away twice a day. Seems wrong. Yeah. So you can and save it and do other stuff with it. So your discard are unfed, as the internet says. You can do stuff with it, which is nice. I mean, I love the unfed because the unfed is the undead. I was going to say, this this relates to your your vampire naming strategies. Yeah, well. well, and so as soon as, so essentially what happened is Rachel made this amazing sourdough. She actually kept it alive. Of course, it didn't take her two weeks because she knows what she's well, doing. Because it's warm in my house. The sealers. Well, okay, fine. But she made the sourdough starter and then was nice enough to share the discard. So I got me some unfed, undead discard in a Tupperware. It was uh, very exciting, actually. No, no, I didn't give you unfed. I gave you, like, fresh starter. It was just half of my starter. So it, but isn't it, that essentially just... Yeah, that's fair. But it makes it sound like I gave you garbage. No, 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 no. No, you're right. I definitely don't mean that. I just mean that, like, for everyone that's following, like, how could you give me some of yours? So, like... What you discard is either going to go in the trash, go into a recipe, or go to a friend who yes. is then thus a sour sister, and um, you're forever <laughs> connected. Sisterhood. Yeah, it's a sisterhood. It's like I actually think the next step for me is making this like a sisterhood of, this, of the traveling sourdough because I feel like See if we can all fit into the same sourdough. Yeah, I mean, I think I need to like look a into bread bowl this. hot tub. Yeah, well, that seems different, but like. <laughs> I just want to know if it's not illegal to send like bacteria in the mail. Can I ship I some card to anthrax? Well, yeah, I think you need to indoctrinate another person for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Sister to the traveling sourdough. That's kind of how it all started. Um, you shortly after made your first loaf, right? I did. I did. Because uh, once it's ready, you either use it or you keep it in the fridge to like hang out and and just kind of hibernate. So I decided to try to make it, but I cheated and used a recipe that also incorporated yeast because I didn't trust my abilities to have good sourdough starter. And it was fine. It just ended up like really big, but it was also extremely delicious. Yeah. Um, but I felt like it was cheating. So I'm going to try it well, without yeast. No shame. I just, I think we should set a precedent. No shame. For yeah, no shame. Game. No shame. Cause and I, there's just not yeast at the grocery store anymore also. Right. No, there's not. Like, it, it, I just want to point out that I'll shortly tell you, I guess I'll just tell you now that I also made a sourdough loaf eventually, but I didn't use yeast and it wasn't by choice. I think I would have really appreciated yeast, but there's none left in the grocery store and, um, you know, we're in weird times. It's fine. And but, I will say the thing about yeast is it just makes it go faster for the most part. Yeah. So it, it, that's what I meant by cheaty. And like, I didn't want to wait two days to eat bread because well, there's nothing to do right now but eat bread. So yeah. I mean, there's some instant gratification. And like, I think the other thing is we didn't really like need bread immediately. So that's probably right. why it feels more like, wow. I needed bread immediately. <laughs> I mean, I do feel like that in general. <laughs> I need bread immediately. But uh, so once you got your starter though, like what, what, what did you do with it when you got to your house? Well, I was very nervous to mess it up. And so then what happened is I just didn't touch it. So, But was it yeah. in your fridge at least? Yes. Yeah. Okay. No, immediately, immediately went in my fridge. I think I asked you like five different times, is this something that I can just put in the fridge? Because I just wasn't ready to take it on. It was just like more. <laughs> it's a big responsibility. I I, yeah. I just wasn't there emotionally. Um, <laughs> 
And so I put it in the fridge and I got excited about it, but that meant that like, I still couldn't touch it for a little bit. I had to really like understand what I was getting myself into. And I really didn't want to mess it up and then have to ask you for more. It just, you know, but then I finally fed it. I remember this was very exciting. And then she ate. It was really cool. Honestly, I, I mean, I definitely think the proportions were off initially because things spilt. So then I kind of had to, I don't know, improvise. But I let her sit out on the counter for a while. And then finally, I opened the lid and she was like connected to the top and there were bubbles. It was very exciting because that means she's alive. <laughs> but this is, I think, important to point out that you can have like, like people get scared of baking, I think. Because of proportion, like, oh, like if, a, like, how do I, I need to be super careful or it's completely ruined. And like, you want to measure stuff, but it's not completely ruined if the proportions are a little off. Like yeah. you can make up for that. So I don't, like, I don't want that to be like a, people get scared of that. It's really not that bad. Yeah. I, and I think it helps a lot because I'm one of those people. So it helps a lot to have you that I can just be like, okay, but. I just want to make sure that this is what I'm supposed to be doing and <laughs> that it's okay that I'm a little bit off. Like you definitely need reassurance because I think it is actually very scary to embark on a baking adventure when you're not a baker. I was trying to think of a pun for embarking, but I <laughs> <laughs> could come up with Embreading. <laughs> nope, that's something different. Like like a ch- chocolate bark, like a, yeah, like something like that. <laughs> Peppermint bark. That. Everywhere you're going with this is fantastic. <laughs> Um, yeah, so then you made, I think, do we both make a sourdough loaf without yeast kind of around the same time? Like at the same time, yeah. Yeah. And it's much longer process, so you have to, like, let it hang out. It's, like, two days yes. of, like, doing stuff. But worth it, I think. And for it's, sure. you're not doing stuff for two days. You're mostly just waiting. Yes, the waiting game is hard. Um, but, again, going back to CPR, you do a lot of chest compressions. You really, you it feed it. a lot of kneading. A lot of kneading. Um, which is also stress relieving. There's, I don't think you can knead wrong. I think you can knead too long, right? You just can't, you can't knead wrong. I think too long is harder to do than too little for like yeah. bread. Yeah. So I um, think I really go to town on that. Go to town on the kneading. <laughs> I, so I, I think that was kind of fun because it felt like at the end when you finally got there to making the loaf, it just, it made all the work pay off and it made you feel like, oh, I made this loaf and it's warm <laughs> and fresh and it smells good. And I think I ate half the loaf just immediately. Well, warm bread, nothing like it. Yeah. I don't feel like there's ever a time where I eat warm, like actual fresh, warm bread. Well, yeah. So talk about your loaf. What, what did you describe its shape and its taste? And oh, all of the <laughs> its shape. Its shape was a problem. You know that. So again, this is again the theme here, but I had to ask Rachel a lot of questions along the way because I was very nervous. So like, I, I knew it was alive. I got over that hurdle of like feeding it and knowing what it looks like to be active and alive and healthy. But then in, in terms of knowing when it should go in the oven, that is very that's another big hurdle, I think, a mental hurdle. Because once you put it in the oven, if it wasn't ready, then it's just like a big bummer. And it makes you feel like it was just a big waste of time. Um, yeah, no judgment. But have you seen that YouTube clip of that person trying to cut the bread they make with an axe and it still won't cut? <gasps> <laughs> so, oh, yes. so it can go horribly awry. Yes. Like, it's definitely yeah. possible. To really mess up. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure there's the opposite problem where it's just it doesn't rise because I'm not using yeast. Yeah, I mean, that. yeah, like if your starter isn't, like, robust enough, 
then yeah. you basically would just have like a cracker, I guess. Yeah. In addition to just keeping it alive, the other hard thing about having a sourdough starter is figuring out what to name it. So I was reading a blog and there was a person talking about sourdough and how they had like a 10-year-old sourdough that had some ridiculous name. And I realized that this is crazy. <laughs> it needs a name. <laughs> but I feel like sourdough starter seems very old-timey. Yes. So I decided, of course, that mine needed the name Henrietta. Oh, I love it. And also in so favor much. of uh, like uh, Henrietta Lacks. She doesn't yes. get enough like credit for, you know, HeLa cells. So just a little shout out to biology. I love that. Snaps. And <laughs> we should break bread to that. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we need like a bread sound, like a crunch. Oh, gross. It's like definitely not going to be a good sound, but I like it. Well, not someone chewing bread. <laughs> Just like if you take a baguette and you just like snap it, like that sound. Okay, you record yourself doing that and I'll record myself doing that and we'll just see what those sound like. Maybe back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. And then vote for the better crunch. (laughs) I mean, the the whole tying this into Henrietta Lacks is amazing because I'm sure you already thought about this, but like the analogy is so real. I mean, you're giving like some of the DNA to somebody else, like stem cells. This is essentially just stem cells. The biologist in me is just like freaking out right now. I just made that up like on the fly, but like I, yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, I mean, because the HeLa cells they use today are just derivatives of her original cells from the forties yeah. or fifties, and that's kind of like you know everyone's it's a sisterhood in that right in terms of like how we are all connected as humans, and now sour sisters. I mean, wow, Henrietta as a name is. Foolproof, I think. Yeah, I feel too. It's too lofty. I'm not saying sourdough's on the same level, <laughs> but yes, in honor, in honor of, in honor of. Yeah, I mean, just an analogy, a beautiful, beautiful analogy. It's symbolism. The the first daughter needs a name as well. Yes, which I guess like we also need names for the unfed. I feel like I don't unfed just sounds so sad. Like I'm discard. only going to name it vampire names now. Like, <laughs> this is Lestat, and this is, <laughs> this is the unfed. This is um, Anne Rice. <laughs> well, and speaking of, like, the undead and the unfed and vampires, um, on my short list is Puffy the Vampire Slayer, because I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and it's just a great pun. Um, and I also feel like I could totally personify my sourdough starter as a vampire. Well, it's a, a different kind of badass lady, but still a badass lady, nevertheless. Totally. Shout out to, like, badass ladies all over the world. Red snapping. Um, <laughs> red snapping. Um, yeah, I think also, just in general, naming the sourdough starter seemed important to me when I had that first moment of seeing my sourdough starter alive. Like, I actually felt bad scooping it out and like separating it because it kind of looked I mean it looked so alive that like it was holding on to all of its little I don't Aww. know would they be cells I don't like, think so I think it's just yeah. like the gluten <laughs> the glutinous it feels like you can't see the yeast <laughs> it feels like like ligaments or something like they're all you know so do you have a problem with eating bread oh we're not in trouble with vegans we're gonna have to cut this part <laughs> we're gonna have to cut this you're right we probably shouldn't say that i'm just gonna say as a biologist it felt very alive and so no i agree yeah so i think the naming it is is just it's just fun and it also makes sense so puffy the vampire slayer slayer but and i feel like if i were to stick with that i would need to watch all the old episodes of buffy the vampire slayer just to like 
make sure. In what better time? I mean, yeah, I do need something else to watch. I don't even know though. Is it available on any sort of platform? I have no idea. I'll have to look into that. I know Charmed is, which is like better. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I don't know. Oh gosh, <laughs> start a debate. <laughs> uh, can I talk to? Uh, can we talk about that offline? Uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, take we'll this offline. Yeah. Rachel, if uh, we could take this offline, I think <laughs> that appropriate for the podcast. <laughs> uh, the other shortlist names for me, um, Bella, just because I thought you know, La Bella. I don't know, I and don't know. it's still vampire-y. It is. It. I didn't even mean to. To be She's so vampire Edward Cullen. <laughs> I, I'm not even, and no offense to people who, who are, I'm not really even into, like, the whole vampire. You're not a twi- twi-hard? Is that what those people <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm more of a die-hard than I am a, tri- a, twi- a twi-hard. <laughs> Bruce Willis should be the name of your show. <laughs> I love that so much. I love that. Um, and then there's Sour Joe Exotic, which I think is already, like, it's already striked out, I think, on my list. It's just too much... Mm. It's too much exposure for that man. Um, There's a lot going on there. It's a lot to unpack. Yeah, a lot to unpack. And I don't feel like I need to keep that up for, like, you know, generations. Like, if we keep this sourdough starter alive forever and then... Don't people pass it down? Like, isn't this the thing people pass down in their families? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I assume. Yeah, a, I assume. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you're a bread maker, right? Uh, this is um, very uneducated... Thing that I know nothing about, but uh, Amish friendship bread—that's basically just giving someone sourdough starter, right? I think so. I love that. That's beautiful. I might be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the uh, what that is. Well, and that's what you did for me, and therefore I I lie last. Oh yeah, it's a type of bread or cake made from a sourdough starter that's often shared in a manner similar to a chain letter. No, <laughs> oh. I mean this is. Is this how they came up with the idea of Sister of the Traveling Pants? If you eat enough bread, you can wear the same pants as your friends. <laughs> I feel like we're going to get some really, like, fat-shamey... I know. No, that's not what I mean. That, <laughs> I mean, those were magic pants. The whole point is that no matter your body type, you can wear the yes. pants. This is, is no matter your body type, you can eat this bread. That's- and you can keep it alive. Yes. But my point is that I don't want Sour Joe Exotic to be some theme that, like... Is around. Yeah. That's fair. It's, it traits generations. Um, well, okay. The, I did want to ask you, you made a sourdough loaf with yeast first and then without yeast. So tell us like the differences and I guess how long it took to make them and what they tasted like. So the one with yeast was done in like four hours. So like much faster because the one That's without yeast fast. was like a 36-ish hour, 36, 48 hour process. Um, but I can't exactly compare them because the one with yeast, I did not need enough. I didn't work up the gluten enough. You do have so, to need. You have to need it. You have to want it. You know, yeah, you need it. I don't want it. So <laughs> I, I didn't do it long enough. Um, so the problem is that it, it just came out a little denser. Like it was still tasty, but it didn't. And because of the yeast, uh, it didn't taste like very tangy. So it just kind of tasted like sandwich bread, which I mean, we used it for sandwiches and it was delicious. Yeah. But it wasn't like. I'm eating sourdough, like that tiny. Mm-hmm. But the one without yeast, obviously, was much more sourdoughy because that's the entire, like, r- rising agent. Uh, and it had, like, those holes that you see in, like, sourdough. It's a lot airier. <laughs> they both were good, but just the first one wasn't essentially not sourdough. Yeah. 
And I think if I get my hands on yeast, I would do it just to see. Because I think it's a good educational moment. I'm more of a visual and experiment, experimental learner than just like reading about it. So I think it's nice. You're to, like, a chemist. Oh, <laughs> no, definitely not. But it is fun. It is fun to experiment. Um, the other thing I was going to say is the reason why it took me so long was because I was nervous to put it in the oven. But also because I chose, a think, I think, a different recipe than you chose. I think I chose, <laughs> like, extra tangy. And I chose it because I was nervous it wouldn't be tangy enough. So I was like, well, maybe if I pick, like, the extra tangy recipe, then it will yeah, be yeah. Like normal tangy. <laughs> <laughs> so what would make it more tangy? I think the amount of time that it has to, like, develop. And, like, so you, you, your first rise was in the fridge, right? Mm-hmm. And mine was out of the okay. um, And shorter still than yours. So, like, it just didn't have as much time to develop that, like, like all the lactic acid it could develop. So does that mean if you use the same exact recipe this week and then in a month and then in two months that it would just use the same exact recipe? Would it inherently be more sour in two months? No, no, no. Like, I think the amount of time once you make the dough like the amount of time it's rising that I think I I have no idea I don't know I don't know but I know that also it can change based on like you said where you are because of temperature yeah and and the water content and the exact flour using as well right and I think that flour is in shortage and a shortage now so I think I'm going to use different flours throughout the course of this yeah yeah. So, so yeah, this is an interesting question. Do you have um, bleached flour or unbleached flour? Um, I have unbleached. I've been meaning to ask you if that's okay. Yeah, I think it's better. Because um, the, fl- the only flour I could find for this last thing was bleached. Um, but So I really don't know how things will be different now. Because I think the bleaching process, my assumption, is that it kills some of the bacteria in there. Mm-hmm. Which is not necessarily what you want for sourdough. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We, but I don't know. These are all things... I have no idea. <laughs> well, I feel like disclosure. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, same. This is not a podcast that we're producing for the CDC or yeah. the bread makers of America. It, it, either one. We're just living our lives. Yep. I do think that this podcast should be about encouraging people to accept bacteria as a thing that just is yes. and is really cool for the most part. Like, I know we're living in a time where. Well, I know it's a virus, not a bacteria, but we're in a time where it's like, wash your hands, don't touch anyone, no more handshaking, no more hugs, it's very sad. But like, that's not necessarily to say that you should just be scared of all bacteria. Yeah, like a, like your gut that needs some nice things, right? Yeah, for sure. Your flora and fauna in your body is important. Yes. But I think on the other side, if this is going to be our soapbox, uh, also that chemicals are not something to be scared of because yes. when something is chemical-free, that doesn't mean anything. That's nonsense. Yes. And <laughs> so we should, it's just scientific awareness in the population, I think is important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I do want to say that I learned a few things while I was researching and figuring out what all the sourdough starter stuff meant. Mm-hmm. And in addition to the bacteria in the flour and in the air and in the water, of course, we forgot about our fingers. So our fingers oh, and our yeah. hands, you know, as much as we're washing them because of coronavirus <laughs> and because we should always be washing our hands. Um, shout out to Florence Nightingale. I 
I do want to mention that we still have bacteria on our fingers and our hands. And so there actually is a lot on the internet about how even like as sisters, right? We're not twins. Our sourdough is related, but still could taste extremely different because of. That's very interesting. I like this. Hands. Yep. Everyone Um, is unique. Exactly. We are, our sourdough is as unique as we are, which I think is beautiful. Oh, this is adorable. I like this. Yeah, everyone's unique sourdough started. Their own bread is going to taste different because of who they are as a person. Yeah, yeah. Also, I read read into more of like what types of yeast, like what strains of yeast are common and what strains of bacteria. And one, I think this was a yeast. It was L, I'm going to not say this right, but L San Fran Sisininus. Which is essentially oh, is that why like after goes known for sourdough? Yes, yeah, that's very interesting, right? I didn't Isn't know that. that amazing? Very cool. I did not know that either. And I do want to shout I, out. I know that they're like famous for sourdough, but I didn't know why. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, they they claim it to be because of this specific yeast strain. Cool. Also, I got a lot of this from like just a few articles online, and I'll. We'll put all these references in our on our Instagram, but this this guy who wrote the the article talking about the San Francisco um, strain of yeast, he used to work somewhere in New York at a restaurant where one of his daily tasks was to quote unquote feed the bitch. So the sourdough starter for the restaurant was named the bitch. That's so mean. <laughs> but, like, that's amazing. I love that. No, that, that is, like, a funny job to have. Yeah. Was it at a, this was at a bakery or a restaurant? Or that's just a crazy. restaurant. Yeah. They just, like, oh. had always... They, were they had house-made bread? Yes, oh. exactly. Yeah. And he was the one who mentioned in his article that he sometimes, when he was feeding the bitch, he would feed her flat rye flour, white wheat flour, and sometimes even cider or beer. Yeah, that's cool. I bet it makes it taste super different. Yeah. So I'm really interested in trying to understand more about that now that I am approaching this from a more scientific standpoint than just like, ah, what is baking? Um, <laughs> but that's that's how I feel. I don't know. That's, that's what excited me about getting more into this was I'm not really a baker, but the biology side of me is just super excited about what's going on in the actual sourdough and why... Like what makes it taste so different from loaf to loaf? As I've learned, I've made several loaves now and they all taste so different. Yeah. It's part science, part art, right? Yeah, but I think also hand in hand, right? Like uh, that you're making art from the science because like if you ferment it differently, then it like is going to taste different. But like if you can harness that, then you have control. You can do whatever. Yeah, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Um, I do want to quote him one more time. He said, the concept of taking, I think he was, he was just basically saying that the reason why it's become a fad, especially during quarantine is because it's hard to get yeast. So that makes it easier to make bread. And then also people just have more time on their hands. And 
he was actually, this, these are his words, but he, this was in between two quotes he was actually pulling from somewhere else. But I loved what he said. He was saying that the concept of taking raw ingredients and microorganisms, ones that aren't dangerous pathogens like the novel coronavirus, and making something provides a sort of solace. Yeah. So we're yeah. using, and I think I've kind of said that I've mentioned this before, maybe, I don't know, at some other point in the podcast, but there's something so beautiful that I think we can learn from not necessarily coronavirus, but just in general, bacteria is not necessarily always a bad thing. Neither is yeast. Um, and there's some really beautiful stuff that goes on. I mean, we're all, we're all covered in bacteria, right? So like, yes, you should wash your hands and you should be safe because coronavirus is not safe, but it, there's a, I think a conception out there, preconception that, whether it's bad bacteria or like in your field, hard, harsh chemicals, like it's not all, it shouldn't all be lumped together. There's a lot of really beautiful things that come out of the good bacteria or good chemicals. Well, it's also like, uh, like nature in general, like, like the, the ocean can be a really frightening place. It can also be a very beautiful place. Like there, you can't lump out everything as being bad or good. Like, right. It's all shades of gray. Yes. And like respecting nature, like too, like yeah. respecting like what something is capable of doing for good or bad. For good or bad. Right. Exactly. That's the thing is something can be really bad. We need to understand that, but we should also understand what's really good. And this is something that yeah. people, anybody can do. I just think that's really neat. Anybody can do no, this I know. and it's safe. It starts just with flour and water and then you just go from there. Like it's really cool. Yeah, and then yours is slightly different from anyone else's. It's like a snowflake. A little sourdough snowflake? Snow- yeah. S- do- dough flake. Dough flake added to the list of names. <laughs> okay, one more fact. Do you have a fact? I have a fact. This give is my me, give me a fact. fact. Okay, okay. So sourdough starter started in Switzerland in 3700 BCE. That's awesome. And yeast has only been available, commercial yeast has only been available for the last 150 years. That checks out. Yeah, it's Yeah, I mean, so but people were making bread since like forever. So Right. I, I have a fact, I guess, if we're fact saying. Yeah. But we're the part, the, the bacteria that makes, you know, the sourdough sour, it's the same, uh, some of the same lactic acid bacteria that makes like buttermilk and yogurt turn that way from milk. So yes. it's all fermentation of different things, whether you start with flour or milk, you can get somewhere else. <laughs> oh, it's all, it's like, essentially it's that whole turning water into wine, but they just forgot to mention that they used flour too. If you, if you add <laughs> flour and water, you will get to wine. Oh, it is fermentation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get to beer. I mean, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that they just left that passage out in the Bible where they described the actual chemistry behind fermentation and biology, I guess. The science behind <laughs> fermentation. That's it. That's how you start sourdough. You find a friend who knows what they're doing, and then you ask them to give you some of their some of their starter. Love that. All right, did we do it? I think so. Hey Rachel. Hey what? Love you like a sour sister. Fly loads.
Thanks for listening, y'all. Please subscribe and don't be afraid to start some sourdough. You You can can do do it. it. in this podcast will be included in a reference list posted on our Instagram. So follow us at Lila Sour Sister for recipes, pictures, and lots of other fun stuff. That's at L-Y-L-A Sour Sister. Thanks for listening. Subscribe. Subscribe.